And five times in these verses, just verses 14 through 28, we have the word immediately in our text. Now, this isn't rare in Mark chapter 1. It's not like Mark just used that word a bunch in the first chapter. No, all throughout Mark's gospel, one of the most common refrains is this word, immediately. Now, depending on your translation, they might try to cutesy it up and change it a few times so it's not just immediately, but like suddenly or right away. But every time, it's the same word that means immediately. And when I read this, In Mark's gospel, after we've just read through Matthew's gospel, I'm presented with a strange conundrum. Was Jesus always in a hurry, moving quickly between miracle and teaching appearances, like a busy rock star with the paparazzi on him, like we might picture one of those people today? Because in Matthew, I read parable after parable about the kingdom of God growing slowly, about being patient as the kingdom grows within as small as a mustard seed until eventually it grows into a huge bush, or about waiting for the harvest to come, but waiting indeed slowly and patiently for it to come. But then I turn the page over to Mark, and it's immediately It sounds like the satisfying whoosh you might get from sending a text message or email. It happens immediately and sends out whoosh, and and there it goes. Is Jesus really in a hurry like this? Or is Mark? Jesus, after all, had three years of public ministry, and Mark is trying to fit those three years into a very tight package, like the shortest of all the Gospels by a long shot. And so perhaps Mark doesn't have all the time for the details and the drawn-out versions of stories that the other Gospels give. Other Gospels give a lineage about where Jesus is from. Mark doesn't have time for that. Other Gospels want to tell us about what the scene was like as the shepherds came and everything like that. Mark doesn't have time for that. Perhaps those stories don't help Mark tell the main point of his Gospel. So why does Mark write a Gospel that moves with so much urgency, so much immediately. Well, let's take a look at why. When we hear this word immediately, when we read that speed of a story, it presents a crisis point. Immediately presents a crisis point. What are the first words out of Jesus' mouth in Mark? They are this, now is the time. Now is the time. It is a call to urgency. In Matthew, John the Baptist's message is change your hearts and lives or repent. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. But in Mark, Jesus begins that same message. Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. He begins with this sense of urgency. Now is the time. Now here's the deal. Jesus is not using urgency here to scare people. This isn't a fear tactic. My family often has to drive on I-95 South all the way to North Florida. When you drive on I-95 South, there are a lot of billboards, right? Either right now in the Battle of South of the Border or Bucky's, or, um, and if you know, you know, um, or ones that tell me about my eternal destination, right? 
Um, and sometimes those in some parts of the country outnumber others. I don't think Jesus is using an eternal destination billboard uh, in, in this place, telling me, uh, repent and, you know, with fire behind it and everything like that. I don't think that's what he's doing. I don't think Jesus is the megaphone corner preacher uh, telling me that I'm going to hell right away if I don't believe. That doesn't seem to be the message. No, Jesus here is saying the world is changing. This is good news and can be good news for everyone, and you can join. So rather than being fearful, I want us to hear the urgency that Jesus brings here as invitational. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and believe it. Trust in God's good news and come on in. And because right after that, what does he do, right? He goes to the disciples who he calls and invites them to follow him. And in that same way, when he calls the disciples, we get that first immediately in the text. Jesus invites Simon and Andrew to follow him, and he'll teach them how to fish for people, which is a weird thing to say, right? But he says to these fishermen, well, stop worrying about catching fish. I'll, I'll teach you how to fish for people. And right away, immediately, they left their nets and followed Jesus. Then Jesus seems to move on, sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee, on their boat. And at that very moment, or immediately, Jesus called to them. We get this picture of Jesus like he's announced his ministry, and then he's just going to take a quick scan around the lake, see Simon and Andrew, he calls them. He gives them no evidence, no explanation of who he is in Mark, right? And then the same thing for James and John. Jesus' call to the disciples is personal, right? He calls them by name. He invites them to follow him, and it is all-encompassing. There is no trial period to follow Jesus. He doesn't say, like, come and try it for 30 days or you get a money-back guarantee. There's nothing like that in the gospel. And Jesus wasn't like other wise teachers of the day. Other wise teachers, they kind of had an application process. You applied to follow them. They didn't call you out. People chose to become their disciples. No, Jesus immediately handpicked this lot, starting with these four fishermen. And Mark seems to be telling us, when Jesus invites you into his kingdom way, it's an immediate choice. You in or you out. This immediate emphasis presents a crisis point to the disciples and even us who hear the call of Jesus to them. What we also see through Mark's persistent urgency is this. We see the authority of Jesus. All right, in every gospel, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus has an initial public act. And what you learn when you read through each of these gospels is that the gospel writer wants to tell us something specific about who Jesus is and about the ministry of Jesus. So in Matthew, the first public act of Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is the wise teacher who is going to reorient us to what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. In Luke, Jesus stands in the synagogue in Nazareth. He reads from the scroll of Isaiah. He proclaims good news to the most marginalized and the most excluded people in the world right there. In John, Jesus performs his first public action by turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. He will continue in John to reveal his glory to the disciples and ultimately to the entire world. And in Mark, the first public action of Jesus is in this scene. Jesus immediately enters the synagogue and begins teaching. 
And the people are amazed first at his teaching because he is teaching with authority, it says. Now, what does that mean? I think it means that Jesus' teaching is direct and it immediately challenges the hearer. It calls for a response of your life. The scribal teaching that they were used to, rather, relied upon quoting not only chapter and verse, but also proved its authority by showing just how detailed and specific the law could be. It not only likely bored the hearers, but it proved impossible for the common person to follow. Rather, Jesus' teaching cut straight to the heart with authority immediately. And then suddenly, in this synagogue scene, or immediately, someone with an evil spirit begins to make a scene. And I don't know if y'all have ever been in a church service where someone started making a scene, like it was a good, nice Methodist service, and all of a sudden, someone, someone gets filled with the spirit, or starts having an episode, and something happens, and it's kind of uncomfortable. Probably was for everyone else in that synagogue that day. This evil spirit compels this person to scream at Jesus and even correctly identifies who Jesus is. Jesus then silences the demon and exercises it right then and there. Authority. Everyone in the synagogue is blown away by this authority as well. The double authority of Jesus' teaching and his exorcism. For Mark, the ministry of Jesus is ultimately this. It is about a warfare with the power of evil. And this first scene gives us a glimpse into who's going to win this battle, right? Satan's dominion of evil has been broken in the person of Jesus, and God's kingdom is breaking in with an immediate urgency. So what happens as a result of the scene? Right away, it says, or immediately, the news about Jesus spreads around the entire Galilee region. We're usually skeptical as people of the promise of immediately, of the just act now before it's too late advertisement, or the infomercial promises, right? The promise that it's going to change your life immediately, whatever the product or thing is. But friends, that's not what Jesus offers or how Jesus is living his ministry and presenting it here. Jesus is not the high-powered, slick businessman, the quintessential leader I described in the beginning. Jesus is not really moving at the pace that Mark reports here. No, Jesus is magnetic because he is fully genuine. Jesus is attractive because Jesus is inviting. And everyone who hears Jesus and gets it responds like Mark does. With an urgency of immediately. You can't miss this, Mark wants us to hear. Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. So I wonder, when in your life have you felt an urgency to follow Jesus. Have you ever felt the tug of God on your heart 
to take the leap and follow. Maybe you have before, but it's been a long time. And you've forgotten that dynamic invitation that Jesus offers. I invite you today to welcome the immediately of Jesus into your life. To the Jesus who has the power to exercise a demon on the spot, who when you read of his teaching, it cuts to the heart. And I invite you to trust this Jesus today. I you to pray with me. Lord, when we read of you through the Gospels, I know that, God, I, I get cut to the heart immediately. When I see the power that you have, I'm reminded once again of just the dynamism and the magnetism that it is to follow you into your kingdom way. And yet, Jesus, for whatever reason, we sometimes forget the urgency. Maybe we've grown used to it and the stories sound same old, same old. Maybe our hearts are numb. Maybe we got a lot going on in our lives and honestly, Lord, uh, connecting with you is, is a comfort that we try to do, but maybe we haven't felt that power of your spirit in a really long time. Jesus, I pray for wherever each person is who is watching and who is here with us present today. Lord, that you would cut to our hearts immediately. That the power of your good news, that the authority of your ministry would speak to us, would welcome us, and would call us to respond. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.